coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk with the Vice President of ConcealedCarry.com and discuss pistol IQ standards. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, how are we doing? Doing good. First off, thank you very much for my delicious Manhattan here. Oh, man. Enjoying it. No problem. It is uh, certainly, I would call that a proper Manhattan right there. These cherries are very fancy too, by the way. They are the best. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are like one of the best you can get. So how'd you uh, survive our crazy micro burst hurricane tornado storm that came through last night? Man, that was wild. So first off, um, it is amazing how quick we lost power. Yeah. Like we, so we're recording this and we were actually supposed to record this episode last night, but like as soon as the rain came down, we lost power, which means like a tree must have fallen like instantly. Well, the wind came through really, really fast. I, I joked with you. I, my wife had left the umbrella up outside on the deck. Yeah. So I went outside to grab it <clears throat> and I'm holding the pole with one hand and I'm cranking with the other hand. And all of a sudden the wind kicks up and no lie that picked big ass Keith up <laughs> And I took a tumble and the umbrella went in the neighbor's yard. I, the kids were watching. They were freaked out. I fell on a table. I hurt myself. I was like, man, <laughs> you know what uh, Ben DeWalt would say? Uh, You're not Big Keith anymore. Uh, that, that's big, big, would have never happened to Big <laughs> Keith. Yeah, that's right. Maybe Big <laughs> Keith wouldn't have fallen. Oh, oh man. it's funny. But anyway, uh, we survived and power's back. And now I'm up here with you. Cool, man. Drink. Well, let's get through this thing. Uh, so when it comes to buying ammunition, you need to look for a product that is accurate, reliable, and if possible, reasonable in price. New Republic ammunition from Target Sports USA checks all three of these boxes and comes in six popular calibers. Be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at targetsportusa.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases and makes you eligible eligible for their truck giveaway that's happening this Saturday, October 14th. You know, and really, you should get that uh, Ammo Plus membership, especially if you live in New York, because now you have to pay uh, for a background check for ammunition whenever you want to purchase some. So that 8% can help uh, offset that cost. (laughs) Womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid New York. And if you're looking for ways to support our show, I'd love it if you would head on over to your social media of choice, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you could always join our Discord page and uh, get some get social with us, right? If you want to if you want to hang out with Big Keith, you got to go to Discord. It's the only <laughs> place you're going to find him. And if you're looking for links for all of that, it's, of course, in our show notes or just look up The Gun Experiment. You'll find us. So we're going to get into this interview. But before we do, today's interview is brought to you by Ridgeline Defense. Ridgeline is one of the nation's premier training facilities and offers programs based on proven tactics and real-world experience. Their highly trained staff specializes in pistol, carbine, precision rifle, breaching, sniper operations, and low-visibility force protection. If you're looking to take your skills to the next level, you've found your new training partner. Check them out at RidgelineShooting.com. So, without further ado, today's guest is an accomplished competitive shooter as well as an instructor who has created a unique course to help students establish their pistol shooting IQ. Fancy. He is also the host of the popular Concealed Carry podcast and vice president of ConcealedCarry.com. Please welcome Riley Bowman to the show. Riley, how's it going? 
It's going great. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> We're happy you stuck around. <laughs> man, yeah. this has been this has been the uh, episode from hell, man. Nothing nothing is going right. As soon as we even talked about the word storm, yeah, we lost we lost Riley. <laughs> so I have a question before we get into this thing. So you uh, I've seen a lot where you are called uh, Riley T. Bowman. Do you go by with your in- middle initial all the time or Oh, that's a great question. Well, no, I don't necessarily go buy it, but <laughs> I... Uh, There's a couple Riley Bowmans out there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, so so about that, there's so there's actually a British actor by the name of Riley Bowman. I, I came and, across him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, so it, it, there was a little bit of a, well, that at least differentiates me potentially in mm-hmm. some searches and whatnot, but... Uh, no, no, you, normally you, you can just call me Riley Bowman. Although growing up, I had some friends that would be like Riley T. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, well, I was gonna say, can yeah. we can we like come up with a cool name that would like be yours? Like like Steve Fisher's got the Yeti. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a good nickname, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you could call me Dad Bod. Dad Bod. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, uh, as I mentioned in your introduction, you definitely wear many hats. So uh, that includes competitive shooter, instructor, podcast host. If you had to choose, which of these titles would you consider to be your true passion? What is my true passion? Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 could you start with something easy? <laughs> <laughs> well, how about if you had to um, choose between those two? Those three. Those you three, know, I'm sorry. I, honestly, like, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, that's that's really what I am as a as an individual. I have been my whole life. Mm-hmm. When I was 14 years old, I tried. You know, I started a business. Um, I've been a part of starting or running um, st- startups uh, uh, at least three different times in my life, um, and so that is. I would have to. I would have to start there. That gets you excited. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, like. I don't want to work for the man. I want to be my own man. I like that. Um, and that's just been how I've, that's how I was war- wired ever since I was little, man. Okay. So as a follow-up to that, if I, if I do pigeonhole you a bit from those three, the competitive shooter side, the instructor side, and the podcast host side, which of those three do you tend to go, this is the one that really moves me the most? See, that's why I, that's why I answer with entrepreneur because <laughs> they all mesh into that's, that. That's true. That's true. But yeah. I'm a shooter, man. You know, yeah. I, I, can't get enough of it. Uh, I love competing. I love shooting. I love pursuing that whatever perfect. you might define as greatness in that that arena. Uh, because I'm not done pursuing whatever the best is that I can be. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a shooter and competitor. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. When I was looking at the Riley Bowman. Uh, the actor, <laughs> and I came across mm. a few uh, for you and uh, some course descriptions. And one of the ones that I had found when I had found the right person was uh, a description of visual processing shooting course. And um, it, the description was awesome. And it, you know, it's understanding and processing what you're seeing and uh, is obviously crucial uh, training and in competition, but especially for a defensive situation. So would you give, you know, us some details on the specifics of this course and maybe some pointers we can take away if we can't get, you know, get to the full on course? 
Well, uh, I'm not sure where you were reading that from. It was, uh, although, uh, of course, you were doing it in Michigan, I think. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that that was actually uh, I was hosted up there for yep. my pistol IQ class. Okay. Yeah, they did talk uh, about that added in there. <laughs> yeah that that is that is, that was I'm not again. So I think my host must have done some write up or post or something about it, and they may have just. Described it differently, okay. but that was the pistol intelligence class okay. that, that I was hosted up there for, and it was it's one and the same. Is so is visual processing part of that? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a big part. So kind of where I started when I started putting together that class. Is there anything that you can tell us a little? I mean, I know we're going to talk about this later in the show, but is there anything about you know processing, uh, you know, and understanding what you're processing to? I, I assume it's to help you gain speed, right? So that you can be more accurate, accurate and understand what you're seeing quicker. Um, mm -hmm. Are there any kind of tidbits of things that you can give us on like how we can work on that? So this is how I would uh, explain that. Um, and, the, and this mirrors my own journey as a shooter as I started you know, pursuing this path and trying to get good at it. Uh, I came to a couple of realizations and number one, I mean, I, I was heavily technique focused for a long time as a shooter. So I was like, ah, grip, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of my focus was on grip and it, it is for a lot of people because I mean, that's your number one interface between you and the gun and, and sure. that's where pretty much everything happens. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, really working on grip technique and, and different things. And uh, there was there was a point I came to a realization that, okay, um, it, what do I lack yet? Like, is my grip still not perfect? Cause I wasn't quite <laughs> achieving what I thought I should be able to achieve yet. And so, uh, what I realized is that I had become quite a tense shooter, meaning I had a lot of tension. And I realized that that was both a physical tension, but also a mental tension as well. And through a lot of struggle and trial um, and studying and pondering and rewriting, reworking, rebuilding, I came to the conclusion that because I was overly tense, especially on the mental piece, but see, like mental tension leads to physical tension. Sure. And... <clears throat> When you're in that that space, like when you're in that really, you know, aggressive tent. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong about being aggressive. I mean, shooting is an aggressive endeavor. But when you're in that that place where you're just like to describe it to you, there's a lot of frustration and and stuff built in, you know, or pent up in me, trying to get to whatever the next level was, and that overrides your ability to see and process visual information. So I had to rework my mental side of my mental approach to shooting and become a lot more calm in order to then uh, enable, you know, so, so I wasn't over overridden with emotion, mm -hmm. then I right. could actually see and process visual information. And that was a big breakthrough. Okay. So I start there. I start with visual processing. Right. So now we're, we're talking about training. We're talking about you as a trainer. So just kind of a follow-up question. Uh, every instructor is also a student, right? And at least at least any instructor Should worth be. their salt. Yeah. And you certainly have a very 
um, impressive and extensive list of instructors that you have worked with. Um, many of them have been on our show. Um, many of them I know of and, and know of their reputation. And um, I think we might have even trained with a couple or at least one. So my question is, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're all very, very good. I mean, their pedigrees are phenomenal. Is there one that you would say, I don't want to say is better than another, but one that sort of maybe made a difference in your shooting pet in your shooting um, endeavors that you go, this is where they like, I kind of turn the corner. Is there someone that kind of is notable for you? Well, he who has had the greatest amount of influence on me is Rob Latham. Okay. And along with him, because I can't, I can't talk about Rob and not also talk about his other half, if I dare say that, which by that I mean, you know, where Rob came up as a shooter in his own development, in his rise to domination as a practical shooting competitor and champion, um, it was him and Brian Enos. Okay. Practicing together, shooting together, training together, going to matches together, pushing each other, and so uh, and, and and in many respects, there's definitely differences, but in many there's many approaches they both share, and so um, Rob Latham, I've personally trained with a couple of times, and you know I've spent many hours talking to and learning from and studying from, um, but the other one that is Brian Enos that I've studied for many, many, many hours, his book on practical shooting. Okay. Very, very what, interesting. What's the name of that book? Is it Practical Shooting? Practical Shooting Beyond Fundamentals okay. is the full title, published in 1990. Okay. Keith's always looking for a good read. Yeah. Keith brought up this idea of people not being able to get to classes for live training. You personally uh, offer virtual coaching, and you also represent Guardian University on concealedcarry.com which is uh, an online video-based course. Very interesting, by the way. I mean, I, I'm not a member, but the concept was, was kind of cool. What are some tips you would give people who want to learn in this fashion in order to get the most out of these learning modalities in terms of not being live, but in sort of more of a virtual and an online? What's the way to really kind of, um, you know, get the most out of that experience? Yeah, you know, in this in this day and age, a lot of people turn to YouTube for things, right? Sure. YouTube's the the great online video encyclopedia of information. Um, the problem with YouTube uh, as a source is that there's much good contained therein, and there is much not mm -hmm. good. And if you don't know who your sources are or should be, or don't know how to vet your sources of information, uh, it's going to be hit or miss as to whether you sure. find. You know, true value or not there. Right. Um, you know, we've been doing, especially just any kind of video training content, we, we actually started publishing DVDs uh, seven, eight years ago, something like that. I think it was about it. And actually, we weren't originally going to do that. Um, it was all just going to be streaming online. But uh, we actually had demand for them. We had customers like, I had, you know, again, this is eight years ago. And, yeah. And, you know, I mean, things have changed even since then, especially since COVID. Now everybody streams everything. Right. Uh, but we still, you know, I still have DVDs stocked on our shelves in our warehouse here. But uh, so we started doing some video training content. And by uh, we, I say, I mean, that's uh, me and my business partner, Jacob Paulson, president of concealedcarry.com. And we've had video training content on our website for, for almost eight years. 
Um, <clears throat> I have personally learned a lot from video content or virtual training. And I think to get the most out of that, the individual needs to be capable of self, you know, looking inward and of self-reflection, self-diagnosis. Um, you need to be able to, you know, be really self-aware. You know, and, that, and that can really be tough for a lot of people. Let's be honest, right? A lot of people, you know, they think a lot of people, I would say many people think they're way better than they are, overestimate yeah. their abilities. So that, that can yeah. be challenging, right? So do you feel that this type of training can actually replace actual in-person? Is it, is it better to use as a supplement or like, do you think it actually could completely replace in-person? I think of it in terms of like percentages of effectiveness. I mean, for instance, like I could read a book or a magazine article or a blog um, that talks about, you know, some training skill or technique or something. And, uh, you know, how effective is that to being able for me to be able to take that and do something with it and become something from it, yeah. you know, as I implement the steps or actions or techniques that are discussed therein. And I mean, I don't know what the percentage would be exactly, but I mean, let's just say it's, you know, 25% effective, you know, right. as far as like a ratio um, of how much time you got to spend an effort to, to achieve a certain level or whatever of growth. Um, virtual training now, and, and I think that we got to divide into kind of two different things. The first, the first level would be like what we were just talking about, just straight up, you're consuming video content. The benefit there, of course, over an article or a book is now I can hear the words and see the individual demonstrate, right. walk me through it. Right. And I can rewatch and rewind and even slow it down and, you know, and get a lot from that and then try to duplicate it in my own practice. Along with that, I can take something like my phone, a camera, whatever, and self-record and then review myself. And I can even watch my example, my instructor, if you will, through the TV as they're doing something and then watch myself and be like, okay, what's the same? What's different? And do a little bit of self-diagnosis and correction that way. The second level of virtual training would be like what you uh, started by talking about, how I do offer uh, things like virtual coaching and and whatnot, uh, and a lot of that comes through the form of we'll just connect through like a Zoom call, a video call. Although I've done it even with people on like Facebook Messenger, <laughs> just whatever work you know, whatever they had access to at the time, and uh, you know where where that's a step up from just watching training content is that now they can get instantaneous feedback from me. Right, it's not the same obviously me as me being right there. I can't always see things exactly from the angle that I'd like to see it. From but if, if someone couldn't right get there. to you, right, like that's that's the next best thing, right? And then the Absolutely. then the video is like just beyond that. And yeah, I know Keith has a really interesting question for you. Um, but before we get to that, just to kind of wrap this up, I look at it like if someone said, you know, I want to be a boxer right? You could go to YouTube and, and learn how to throw a jab and a cross and a hook. Like, I mean, that's not that hard, but there's little nuances and details that a coach is going to really, really kind of help you get past that learning curve a lot quicker, right? So it's yes. kind of the same thing as, you know, watching a video is great, but there's lots of little nuances that you're probably going to miss by not having an actual coach to work with you. That's yeah. kind of how I See, would look at it. With live in-person training, 
you know, if, again, if we're kind of putting this on the spectrum, I think a lot of times a student, especially with a good instructor, a student can see growth that is, I mean, sometimes exponential, like surprising mm-hmm. because like breakthroughs occur that may not have otherwise occurred because again, student instructor right there together and something is noticed and pointed out and that makes the world a difference, right? Yes. And that can't always be replicated in any other fashion. And so let's just say that's like your 100% and then everything else is like a fraction of that, I think, as far as how effective it is. I think all those those mediums uh, are effective to some degree, but they're all not, you know, besides like being in person with somebody, there's some fraction of it. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think unless you have <clears throat> multiple camera angles and, you know, you're able to see things from close, up, close up and every angle, you know, that's where that in-person training is going to trump, you know, uh, um, you know, a- any other type of, of uh, supplemental training that you might do. But to your point, there is a place for it, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think all those things, I mean, I talk about them and say that there's value there because I have gotten something of value from all of those examples that we've talked about. Heck, I've learned things from listening to a podcast, just like what we're sure. doing right here right now. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So in the, in the beginning of June, you had a crazy experience while traveling to the Area mm-hmm. 4 Championship. And uh, you mentioned needing to have a plan, but... I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk us through the minutes before and uh, and how that has progressed to how you travel now. For the record, I'm completely <laughs> in the dark. I did not look into this. So oh, you I, did? I'm, no, I'm ready to hear okay. this for the first time. Well, this is funny to me because it tells me you guys have really researched it. <laughs> well, at least uh, one of us has. Yeah, yeah. I purposely <laughs> laid off of it. <laughs> uh, that's true. I mean, obviously, I posted about it on social media. but uh, And I don't even have social media, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really impressive to you, for sure. Uh, I was uh, on my way, that's correct, to the Area 4 Championship uh, in Texas. was actually shooting that on, on staff day. That was the plan. And then because on the weekend I was teaching a class hosted by Matt Little uh, in uh, down near uh, Temple, Temple, Texas. And on the way there, I had just stopped. I would just gotten gas, uh, filled up the tank. Uh, it was lunchtime. I grabbed me some Chick Fil A. I was like, "Yeah, mm, Chick Fil A." Some of, yeah, some of the some of that you know some of the Lord's chicken <laughs> and Chick Fil A sauce. <laughs> you know, exactly, you know. So I got my got my fries and my drink and my chicken sandwich. I get back on the road. I'm thinking, "Yeah, this is awesome." I'm gonna be snacking on Chick Fil A, and you know, two and a half hours later, I'd be at my destination. So, uh, yeah, about three or four miles down there. I mean, just long enough that I had consumed, I had just polished off my, my fries, <laughs> my waffle fries. <laughs> Waiting on that sandwich. I, I remember. Ah, I was like, ah, eat the fries, eat the fries, eat the fries. <laughs> I, I don't like cold fries. So of I course. Would first. So, Smart yeah, I, I was reaching for my sandwich when I noticed that uh, my vehicle stuttered. Okay. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And, uh, and then it kind of, you know, seemed like everything was okay again for a moment, <clears throat> but then a few seconds later, then it just like, really, I just kind of lost power. Like the engine I could tell was still running, but there was something not quite right. It just something was not right. And, uh, so I hit my, my turned on my hazards and pulled, you know, way off to the shoulder and make sure I was in a safe place and got stopped. And as soon as I got stopped, I saw flames just shoot up the sides of the vehicle. Oh my gosh! I mean, wow. even with even with my head on both sides, like right up next to uh, my my window and my passenger window. So it was like it was obviously going on while you were driving. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's clearly so, at this point, I mean, it's pretty well engulfed. Yeah, it was the uh, engulfed in flames, yeah. Did you grab your chicken sandwich? No. Oh, man. <laughs> Extra crispy <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was not cool. I mean, in that moment, I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh, like, I can't believe, like, it's that, you know, yeah, initial, shock. I can't believe this is happening to me, you know? Like, are you serious? You know, like, not today. Why today? Like, I have places to be, be things yeah. I got to do. Yeah. Like, all that runs through your head really, really fast. Kind of reminds me of when I, I suffered a really terrible injury uh, in the construction industry years ago, and I fell off a roof. And as I was sliding and falling off this roof, I uh, similar thing. I was like, man, I was going mountain biking tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like because I knew I was going to hit the ground. It was going to hurt, and I was yeah. probably not going to be well enough to go mountain biking the next yeah. day. Just funny how all those thoughts go through your head yeah, so fast. fast. So I had realized I had to get out, you know, and I jumped out and, uh, you know, got back clear from the vehicle and took a look at it, realized, uh, you know, based on the current size of the flames and whatnot, I was like, well, I think I've got a little bit of time to start chucking things out of the back of this because mm. I had ammo, I had yeah. guns, I uh. had supplies for my classes, teaching, you know, I had all this stuff, right? Of course, my clothes and so I just started grabbing things and just chucking mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just kind of off onto this ditch kind of, well, it was really, a, wasn't a, a wet ditch, but it was like a ditch bank, you know, borrow yep. ditch kind of thing, chucking things out. And, uh, I was just far enough out of town that the, uh, only firefighters that would respond were volunteer, took them close to half an hour. I mean, bless their souls. I'm glad they came regardless, but yep. took too long. Car became fully engulfed in flames. It, of course died and then flames spread to the grass on the ditch bank and that <gasps> spread down to my stuff and oh. about half my stuff so that was kind of a rough afternoon yeah <laughs> did you still compete i did nice yeah. that next morning at 7 a.m i was standing on the range ready to go with borrowed ammo fuck yeah man good uh, for you that's fucking <laughs> awesome man Seriously. There was a moment I was like, I don't know if, like, I didn't even know if my guns had survived. I didn't know if I would have, you know, like a belt or holster yeah. to use. Better, better, qu to, better question for you. How did sure. you do? Uh, not great. I <laughs> mean, I would expect, I, you know what, if you would say, I was waiting for you to be like, oh, like I finished first. I would be like, God damn, that's impressive. <laughs> but I think any human being, if you're going through that, man, just showing up, I give you, I give you a lot of credit, man. And uh, so yeah. what, what, how is it? How has your traveling plans changed now? Like, what do you, you know, because to your point, like, you don't expect that to happen. So do you have a, like, a do you pack better to chuck things out better? Like, <laughs> Yeah, what did you learn from it? <laughs> Eat the Chick-fil-A yeah. sandwich first? <laughs> yeah. Um, you always see my food. <laughs> yeah, I got to eat the Chick-fil-A sandwich. By the way, I had Chick-fil-A today, too. Nothing caught on fire today. They had that new honey pepper yeah. chicken sandwich, <laughs> and that thing's legit. We don't yeah. have... I mean, we have one that just recently opened on the... Uh, on the Rest uh, area. And a rest area on the highway, which there is a little backdoor entrance, if any, you know, fat kid style, I, I, I can get you back yeah, there. you got to be a local guy to know that. you got to be a local guy to know that. <laughs> but the closest one that's easy, that's not like on a highway, is in Jersey. So we got like an hour drive to the closest one. But yeah, I have been craving gotcha. that new sandwich. What learned? What did I learn? Um, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, there were, there were a number of things. I mean, one was... Uh, 
I don't know if I had changed any of my travel like plans or how I pack stuff. I mean, I, I already pack pretty efficiently, especially when I'm on the road for classes and matches and things that sure. kind of have a already have. I mean, I have it. I travel with a couple of Pelican cases and kind of, you know, yeah, put that, together a certain way. That's what I was thinking. Like try to keep things not loose, like try to keep things in packages, that you, buckles or packages that you can handle so that like all your ammo is in one Pelican case. And you that, can, I mean, I have to say though, like that is such a one-off. I mean, like how often does that happen to the average person in their life? Mostly never. And it, this happened yep. once. It's like, what are the odds of it happening again? Well, right? I, but yeah, statistically you got to play those statistics. I'm, I'm a firm believer of that, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, having a plan yeah. is not a bad idea. You're right. Would, yeah. Did you have a fire extinguisher in the in the vehicle? Would, yeah, that, would that have actually made a difference, or was it so too at one time? One? Yeah, one time I did have one in the vehicle, and uh, um, I've actually responded uh, like to a couple of different accidents and things over the years as in my travels, and uh, I don't remember it getting personally used by me, but it's entirely possible at some point that somebody had grabbed it out of my vehicle and used it. Mm-hmm. I do just rec- I just realize at some point the one I had was no longer in there. Yeah. I could mm-hmm. have also just discarded it and, or left it somewhere and not realize it. But uh, uh, one, one is back in there now. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. that was like, oh, hey, that would have been good to have. Yeah. There was a gentleman that stopped and used one of his, which I thanked him for. And before I could really actually thank him properly and even offer to pay for it he was gone he just was like oh you know i'm sorry that's all i got gotta go and he's like <laughs> and he you know he, he hung around for a minute or two but but uh i was distracted talking to the sheriff and <clears throat> then yeah. he took off uh but it was very kind of him i mean it helped a little uh the, the fact is is uh there was no amount of fire extinguishers that was actually going to put that thing out gotcha. it just yeah. bought time yeah um and and actually that time because he showed up very soon after i had pulled over um, and it gave me time to get things out, and so that was that was good. The, here's the big the big lesson. Um, take big takeaway was I have given thought, and we discussed it as a family. I mean, there's my wife, and I got five kids, and the and that that was a this vehicle was a Ford Expedition. The whole reason we had it was to transport a family of seven at eight yep. seats, and uh, uh, we we talked about you know what would that have looked like if. Oof you were all in there and how would we have gotten you all out, um, you know, in an efficient manner? Cause it, uh, honestly, I think the safest thing based on like how the, the flames were presenting themselves, uh, would have been that I'd have to get most of my kids out through the back. Wow. Um, yeah. Cause I would have been, I would have had to stand in flames to reach into the vehicle to get kids out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And so, um, so that that was something to think about, and uh, and and there is no there are no perfect answers because like every situation and circumstance can be a little bit different. Sure, meaning that like well hey on this trip you know we got the family and we got stuff and the stuff's laid out like this, but on another trip it may be totally different. Uh, sometimes we had the back of that vehicle you know fully loaded. Sure, and uh, been there. I, you know the, bikes the on the back, I, something on yeah. the roof. Yeah. Right, right. You know, so just. Uh, and understand that this fire started not in the engine compartment. That was my it didn't even start. Yeah, like it started mid frame. Oh, weird. Uh, wow. Like, like if you took the second row middle seat, it started exactly below that point. Huh. huh. As far as I could tell, because and then where the flames first emerged inside the vehicle were right there in the in the dead middle of the vehicle. 
Really funny story. Um, when I, when my dad was a you know somewhat younger man, he was driving down the highway and he saw a car on the side of the road. Similar situation, like engulfed in flames, like the the engine bay was all on fire, and so he pulled over and he jumped out with a fire extinguisher. Similar situation. He goes over, he sprays the engine block, and he, he puts out the fire. And he says, "You know, sir, are you okay?" And the man like puts his hands in his in um, his face in his hands, and he starts like bawling, crying. And my father says, "You know, sir, like the fire's out. Are you okay?" And he says, "God damn it!" He says, "You're the third person to put this out. This car's a lemon, and I'm trying to get the insurance money." <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, I, I have to know what's what's replaced the expedition. Another expedition. (laughs) All right. All right. Good for you. Lower miles. (laughs) Nice. Well, listen, you were on your way to a competition. So obviously we know competing is a really big part of your life. Uh, I've spoken to many of our followers and listeners that, you know, are are close to us on the show and they tell me they want to compete, but they don't know how to get started. Can you give some advice on not only how they might start their competitive shooting journey, but how to get set up for success, right? Because it's one thing to just go to go to one and just, you know, shoot and waste ammo. It's another to like be as successful as you can early on. Yeah. So the number number one piece of advice is just do it because uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard some, you know, the comment, something along the lines of, well, you know, I'm working on getting, you know, this put together or I just need to get this one thing or, you know, it just, there's always like these, and they're frankly very small barriers to entry Mm -hmm. that people allow, you know, to get in the way and, uh, uh, just, just do it. And, and, and actually in recent years, the rules have been updated. Now I'm, I'm more, mostly interested in USPSA style competition, uh, some people like IDPA. Some people do both. I think eventually I'm going to end up doing both. Uh, I frankly think I would be really good at IDPA, but I'm just not interested in that right yet. There's certain goals I'm trying to achieve in USPSA first. But um, whether it's IDPA or USPSA or multi-gun or three-gun uh, or something else entirely, uh, just just get started. USPSA and IDPA specifically, what I was starting to say a moment ago is that recently rules have been updated that I think makes it easier than ever, meaning that in recent years, things like appendix carry, because yeah. appendix yeah. carries become more uh, popular as a concealment option. Uh, Definitely more accepted, I think. It's absolutely. Not, yeah, yeah. Uh, having a, a, a light on your gun um, is now permissible in both those sports. Uh, and so you can show up at either one of those matches, just show up with what you have. Yeah. We all, you know, we often talk about, I'm sorry to interrupt. We often talk about the community itself. And I know on our show, unfortunately, sometimes we go down like negativeville, right? Like it's hard to stay positive. Sometimes we've had a couple interesting experiences at a couple of local USPSA matches. Yeah, I'm not talking about just competing, but just the community in general. We're always kind of up against it, both politically and, you know, socially. But that's one area where, like, I feel the community has thrived is we're starting to, Keith and I joke, I mean, you know, you call yourself a FUD. We joke (laughs) about FUDs and stuff. But overall, I think- I like like busting clays. Yeah. I think the community has really kind of opened up a lot more in terms of what you're saying. It's like things like appendix. And that's very evident in these competitions, the fact that they're opening up those avenues really, really shows that the community as a whole is becoming more open-minded to some 
some more like, you know, uh, some some concepts that at one time were very in vogue and not so, uh, you know, yeah. mainstreamed. So anyway, you can continue, but I, I really think that that's very true. Yeah, you know, so, and, and I'll touch some more on that community aspect as well, but uh, uh, the, the rules are such now that there's so little that gets in your way of actually just showing up and competing because as long as you have an appropriate holster, meaning a safe holster, mm-hmm. uh, and some means of carrying a couple of mags on your person. And that can also be even just out of your pocket now. Right. That didn't used to be the case. Uh, when they updated the rules for like appendix carry, allowing it in USPSA, that, that also allowed any, any division in USPSA, you could, I mean, you, you could shoot from appendix and that also meant you could have your mag pouches up in that kind of, you know, other appendix position, you know, mm-hmm. that right. mirroring your, your gun location. Um, that also meant that now you could st- stash a magazine in your pocket and reach in and pull it out of your pocket and reload if you, if you had to, you right. know, because that's no different than, you know, anything else. In fact, it's, you know, slower, but it's, it's permissible. So, so the point is, is you need a couple of mags, you need a gun, you need a safe holster. It's great. If you have a couple of mag pouches, you can carry those mags. I pro, I, I pro ear pro appropriate, you know, clothes for, and shoes for outdoor, you know, weather on the range and shooting and show up and shoot a match. Right. And then the community will take care of you. Yep. Now, I know that there are exceptions and that there are people that have bad experiences. Some, Not all clubs are created equal. Not all match directors are, are created equal. Uh, that there, There's some bad apples in the bunch, you know, here and there. Uh, like, you know, I've had friends that went went to a match and, mess, you know, at my encouragement and then messaged me later like, oh, those dudes were jerks. And it's like, <laughs> okay, let's find you a different club. That's right. not the place. Yeah. Um, but, by and large, I mean, my experience has been, many people's experience has been, they show up, the community is welcoming. If there is something wrong with your gear or something you're missing, I mean, my first match ever as a co- competitor was a three-gun match. And I just, I finally, like I just described, I just got the balls to go, okay, let's show up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I kind of had a sense of a few things that I needed, but I didn't really have any way of, shucking around a bunch of shotgun shells and uh got there and the match director was like no problem i got one you can clip onto your belt and then you know a little caddy you can carry 12 shells with you can do some reloads and you know throw some more in your pocket in case you go through you know the ones you have in your gun plus you miss. <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> a little more help <laughs> and, and so that was my first introduction to the shooting sports uh was a guy's like hey here's some of my gear, I'm going to lend it to you for the match here today. i get you to the match. And then, then, then you have, and, and I've seen it where they, people lend you, lend people gear and then say, you know what? You just hang on to that. I've seen it where they lend them gear. And then they're like, Hey, you know, if you're interested, I sell that to you for, you know, it, it, it's worth 80 bucks, but I sell it to you for 40, you know, right. stuff like that all the time. Or they lend it to you and you give it back. And now you kind of have a sense of, well, I need to go find one of those now. And I know what I'm looking for and I can go buy it. Yep. The best advice I think that was given to me uh, on shooting competitions was a, a good friend of the show. He's on, been on many times, uh, Frankie. And um, his advice was, you know, he knows I'm a competitive person. And I think most of us are, <laughs> you know, we yeah. want to win. But his his advice was, you're not here to win today. You're here to be safe. You're here to learn mm-hmm. how to compete or how to, you know, USPSA was, was a, a, a good example and just come and learn the procedures and and be safe and don't get you know I don't want to say DQ'd but yeah. don't get DQ'd and and, and 
yeah. you know, you say competitive nature. Win isn't always coming first place. I know it seems like no, that. Well, no, you have to set that goal of yourself as I'm not going to win, but well, I'm going to winning for me today is finishing. That's my point yeah. is like, you know, you say you're competitive, but there's no way as someone who's never shot one, you're never going to win. Well, win, but a win would be like, again, maybe your first one is just going through and being safe. And maybe your next one is, Hey, I'm going to bump up from where I last time. But was, you right? have to set that yes. as your achievement right because yes. if you don't set that achievement and you go in saying like i'm going to come top 10 or top five or whatever right it's probably not going to happen if this is your first competition you right. know so um i don't know it was good advice for me and i definitely felt like you know that's something i've taken away on some other uh some other competitions that i've done i know riley you said you like to shoot uspsa primarily and you mentioned three gun uh any other shooting competitions that you've done like maybe trap or ski or <laughs> Oh boy. There we go, Fud Boy. No, not not officially uh sanctioned stuff. Um I, I enjoy shooting shotguns, absolutely. Um I any competition that way. I mean I've done some sporting clays and it's mostly just been, you know, a bunch of my buddies getting together and then who who can go home with the the cleanest round today, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> Do you is what is your is USPSA like hands down, that's your favorite? That's that's the one you would pick. That's that's where my passion is right now, and then the reason why is because, well, you know, I started in, in multi gun, and which was fun, and you know, and, and I did that because I was like, hey, you know, rifle, pistol, shotgun, like, what's not to love? You know, <laughs> shoot all the things, you know, and so that's where my my mind went, and that's what I started in, and it was great, and I learned a lot, um, but there came a point where I was like, you know, I want to push my pistol shooting skill beyond where I currently am, and I. I just I went to the place where I knew that that would be the case, mm -hmm. where the greatest amount of heat is you know lies, and that's in USPSA, where the the greatest amount of speed and all of that is, and and so that's I, I just knew that that was like it was always in the back of my mind. I'm like I'm going to do some USPSA, you know, and then finally I just I, I shot a uh, a major match in uh, three gun, it was known as the governor or the uh, Wyoming governor's match. Uh, that year it was held in Cody, Wyoming. It's a beautiful place. It's on the east, southeast side of Yellowstone National Park, um, outside the park, of course. And and uh, I, I shot that match, and I said, "This is my last three gun match <laughs> for a while." Okay. And then yeah. I just went and shot my first USPSA match shortly after that. Mm. And it was literally just like that. I was like, "That's where I'm going," and I'm focusing now on pistol shooting. Well, USPSA and, uh, is definitely, you know, it's a big visual processing like we were talking about earlier is huge in that in that competition yeah 100 percent. so we're going to kind of move on to some other uh, segments here but one last question for me and i apologize and i and i don't mean to put you on the spot this is a bit of a tough question and and, and i want to be fair to you with this but i just really want to kind of pick your brain so i know you're a big proponent of carry insurance and i know that you also have a working relationship with ccw safe so I once had a CCW safe. Uh, I was a member and I was dropped due to the situation that we are currently dealing with here in New York. And yeah. um, originally we were sort of grandfathered in and they said, if you were a member, we're going to keep you. And then we were just completely dropped. And uh, we really were kind of left in the lurch. Like we, we yeah. had nowhere to go is, is the reality of this. For a while. And we have a local lawyer here in New York who he's been on the show many times and... Um, 
Peter Tillum, in Tillum Law Associates. And New York uh, TAC Defense is New York TAC Defense is a program, and I'm just plugging it because we, we don't get anything for it. We're, uh, we're paying members. We're paying members. <laughs> and uh, it's all we've got. And it's basically just a, I would call it like almost a you're getting you know, retainer. Yeah, you're, you're, you're basically getting a, I think it's 300,000. I always forget the number. It might be 350 now. I know he was talking about increasing it, but you had 300,000 of, of uh, lawyer uh, re- retention. Yeah. Uh, but it is certainly not as good as the others. And it's not, he, and, and he would admit, he that. would admit that. And yep. it's just the best that we have. So my, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. He <laughs> wants out. But my question is, you know, it often not in a bad way feels like states like ours get a ban. And I really feel this way. They get a, I feel like we get abandoned by a lot of the companies in the industry instead of standing and fighting with us, right. Instead of trying to find ways around and, um, you know, it's really frustrating, right? Because it, it, a lot of times as a New Yorker, it just feels like everyone knows New York sucks for gun laws. So they just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to kind of steer clear in New York. Yeah. And I, and I'm, and I, I, I'd want to give you an, you know, uh, an opportunity to respond here, Riley, but I, I want to sort of expand a little bit on what I was talking about with Peter is, you know, he figured out a way to sort of do this, not as insurance and still give us the coverage. And uh, I know of a couple different programs, not in the firearms industry and in other industries where that's the case, that when people don't want to deal with the insurance laws, they come up with a way to do it as a uh, a protection service or something yeah. like that. And so I want to give a proper question here. So my question is actually based on your experience and you've worked with, I know you worked with CCW Safe. Do you have any suggestions on how we can sort of get companies like CCW Safe and others to sort of hear our pleas for help and to say, you know what, we do need to find a way to work with these people. Because listen, we're gun owners too, and you know, and and we're we're trying to. Build, I mean, certainly we're on this show. We've had a lot of episodes. We talked to a lot of people. We have a lot of followers, and you know, we're a voice in the community too. Like we want to be represented. So how do we maybe have those companies understand that we like we need some help here? Yeah. So first of all, let me just. Uh, express to you that, uh, while I can't speak on behalf of them, um, I will, but I will speak to what I know with respect to say CCW safe. Cause you're right. I mean, we, I mean, I'm personally sponsored by CCW safe. Uh, and they're a great and, uh, company, by the way. I loved, yeah. they were the company. I chose them. Like yeah. they are a great we, company. We would like to like try to get them and Peter together and let the lawyer try to help them figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I can see what I can do to help with yeah. respect to that. I'd love to work um, on it. They, they are a great company and a great product. Of course, I mean, I think it's the the best product, frankly, in the industry. I agree. Uh, I mean, they're all they're all pretty competitive, but, but I, I think there's some strong strong points to CCW Safe. You're sponsored um, by them, and I'm not. And I'm going to say I agree with that. I think they're, they offer phenomenal. <laughs> no, I, no I really want to say that. I think they offer a phenomenal value, but they dropped me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, their hand was really forced yeah, uh, as far as the dropping piece. And uh, what, what I know from having conversations with them is that I, I know, I, don't, I wouldn't say that they have forgotten New York and Washington and New Jersey, which are the three states where they're yes. not allowed to operate. Because uh, I, I know they're very much interested in being able to do business again in those states. Because uh, number one, they are a business, and uh, yeah. you know, I mean, that memberships just are money. Members, right? yeah, of course. Uh, and frankly, those are three, especially New York and New Jersey, are pretty. They may not be the most like 
known for gun stuff and, and gun carriers and whatnot, but uh, there's, there's a lot of people that live there, so there's a lot of potential customers. Um, so I, I'm, I know, because I've had the conversations with them, that, that there are behind-the-scenes things like that they're constantly working on to try to find a way to work around this. What I, what I would love to personally see is I, I, I'd love to see a court case yeah. you know, taken up um, that actually elevates this to a, to a court, whatever court that would need. You know, I mean, if it goes to the Supreme Court, great. I'd love to see something right. like this go that way, uh, especially in the case where, like, so with respect to CCW Safe, understand it's not a. It's technically as it as it's written as a product is not a self defense insurance right um although that's how people think of it that's how people talk about it and that's how the state is viewing it well if i could um, just stop you really quick that's what was so frustrating is the fact that when we were dropped and i looked into all of this i was like you guys aren't even really violating what they're saying you're violating so i don't even know why you're abiding by this it was kind of frustrating you know but yeah um i understand it, it's, it's also a, it's sometimes a, easier to just kind of cut and cut and run you know if it's that difficult so it's a membership uh, program where the members have access to essentially like what would amount to prepaid legal services. I mean, that sounds like tax by insurance. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what, what I think is fascinating is that basically like, and this is, this is true of Washington and true of New York. And a lot of them have used the route of, well, you are selling unauthorized insurance in our state. Right. And it's like, except that it's not, Insurance. insurance. Yes, yeah. it's insurance backed, and that's where I think that there could that's be a, a, an interesting legal uh, yeah. uh, challenge that could be brought up. And I don't know where that stands. Um, for a long time, I've been telling people you might consider if you're on one of these three states, uh, you could actually take a look at ALCDN. It's Amer- the armed arm. See, hold on, ALCD or ACLDN, Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. Yeah, I've looked into um, them a little bit. Sure. Yep. Yeah, which is a legal defense fund. Yep. Um, and you know, so even that's a little bit of a different product than say like what CCW Safe provides. In that, I mean, they're basically going to cover you in it and pr- provide for your legal defense in uh, the event that you know you didn't break any law or that you didn't you know intentionally sure. commit a crime and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, but still, your case is going to be reviewed by their board. And as long as there's funds available, they'll be able to right. cover it because it's a fund, uh, and it's not you know it doesn't have a a bottomless you know pit of money like right, it, right. there's a limit to that. And that's always been like my one concern with a with a, a service like that is that sure. hey like you have one high profile case like a uh, George Zimmerman level type case or or whatever that uh, was a kid out of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, like a high-profile case, you have one of those, it's like, yeah, they can probably handle that, right? Because yep. a case of that size might take a million dollars plus to, to actually fight it. But maybe two of your members have cases? That's a problem, potentially, right. you know? Right. So, but what's interesting, even with Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, my recollection is I think they're even based in, like, Washington or they're <laughs> about in the north northwest, and Washington itself has come after them. Yeah, and is not pro- prohibiting or is prohibiting them from selling memberships, new memberships. I think if you're already in with ACLDN, you're in in Washington. But yeah, so it's there's some interesting things there. 
Um, well, I, I, sir, I mean, I, I want to move us along. Obviously, I don't want to like you know hold you to this too much. But listen, we've had you know, like I said, Peter is a lawyer that you know works directly in New York State, and we've had Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation on the show. And I know, you know, I mean, I know Alan pretty well. And I, you know, I would love to talk to someone from CCW Safe, and and you know, not, not that you just know, understand, just understand. And I, you know, I'd love to find a way to try to work together to you know make something happen for New Yorkers. So anyway. That's kind of just, you know, while I had you on, I, I figured, hey, let's talk about it a little bit. But we're going to go on to Run and Gun. But uh, before we do, where can people find you? So uh, I'll give them a couple of resources because for my personal training website, you would, you need to go to learntrainshoot.com, learntrainshoot.com uh, or rileytbowman.com. They both point at the same place. Uh, for my professional, like what I do for my day job, that's running things here at concealedcarry.com. I'm sitting in our company headquarters here. Uh, that's concealedcarry.com. Simple as that. And within concealedcarry.com, we have a number of brands, and I'll mention just a couple of those. So our holster company is ksgarmory.com. Uh, we own and sell the uh, Barrel Block product that some people are familiar with. Uh, it's barrelblock.com, barrelblock, spelled with a K, like B-L-O-K. Uh Range Tech Shot Timers, rangetechtimers.com, uh, and uh, mountainmedical.com would probably be the other big one I'd point people to. So those are all brands of ours that fall under the concealedcarry.com family. So that's cool. where you can find me. Awesome. So like I said, I want to get us to running gun, but before we do, I want to talk about our sponsor, 4Patriots.com. 4Patriots provides long-lasting and delicious food options that are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. Keith and I have put their food through the taste testing, and we are really impressed. It's delicious, nutritious, and it comes in at a great value. Head on over to 4Patriots.com and make sure that when the time comes, your family is prepared for the worst. Be sure to get 10% off anything you order with our discount code, Gun Experiment 10. And so now it's time for running guns. This is 10 rapid fire questions. Um, give us the I'm first ready. answer that comes to your mind. And like I said, you're a competitor, so I'm expecting you to <laughs> really move here, baby. <laughs> Keith, you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite gun in your personal collection? P320 X5 Legion with gray guns components. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Ooh, probably... 50 BMG, just because. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? George Washington. Favorite caliber? 9mm. Favorite hobby Nine not gun-related? Playing the piano. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? <laughs> wow, good one. Superpower? C through anything. Yeah! All hell breaks loose is it better be armed or trained. Say again? If all uh, all hell breaks loose is it better be armed or trained? Ooh, trained. Is it better be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? My dear friend, Matt Little. Let's mix it up! First off, you are not allowed to yell, yeah, in the middle of that. It's I, listen, funny. it's the answer that I gave. It is, in the episode that no one's ever heard. Uh, <laughs> so a little, little fun fact for you, Riley. Uh, Keith was actually my first guest, and I used it as a way to rope him to be my co-host, and he just never left. But um, yeah, he he did uh, a show, and no one's ever heard it. So, uh, But that was his answer for, for superpower. 
<laughs> uh, you're the first person to say piano. That I it. was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you do, Keith? He did well, 102.94. So and not. Where's the leaderboard? Uh, well, not, the leaderboard the is winner. like, no, 36 seconds is a leader, uh, <laughs> our buddy Frank. But uh, 102 is not, it's in the middle third, middle middle third, so middle there. <laughs> okay. There were a couple there that definitely I was like, oh, dang, I got to think on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard because there's some gun, some not gun. It kind of throws you off a little bit. But <laughs> all right, so let's mix it up. as brought to us by Flatline Fiber Co. Flatline makes everything from slings to dump pouches to their brand new IFAC pouch. We recently did a thorough review of their IFAC and we were super, super impressed. It carries everything you need in a small and manageable size. Also has the best name ever, which is the Pimp. I highly recommend checking out all of their handmade products at flatlinefibercode.com. But to get an even better deal, make sure you use the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. So on this episode of Let's Mix It Up, we discuss Riley's Pistol IQ standard and how to go up, go about improving your personal IQ. So first off, why don't you tell us what is the pistol IQ standard? Uh, really, I, I would say it's a it's a series of standards. Uh, yes, I, it produces a a what what an aggregate score uh, when once you complete you know shooting all five standards, and uh, they're not. They're nothing like super out there. Uh, there, it's really actually a collection of other, probably already existing drills. Really, certainly in the case of a couple of them. Uh, but I, I, what I was looking for was something. I wanted to put together a shooting test that that tested what I felt like were the skills a shooter would need to have to consider themselves well-rounded with a pistol in their hand. Um, and so what it tests is accuracy. I mean, you got to demonstrate the ability to hit what you want to hit and then draw speed because you, until you get the gun out of holster, nothing else matters. There's no gunfight that takes place. There's no shooting that happens until the gun's in your hand. Uh, and the third thing is recoil management, which is, um, I mean, with a special, well, especially with a pistol because it's way more violent, you know, with a rifle and whatnot, we have a lot more control over it. We have a lot more points of contact. So demonstrating recoil management with a pistol, absolutely essential. It tells you that that demonstrates that you can not only shoot just one shot, but that you can follow it up with multiple shots and put them and still shoot accurately. Right. And then the fourth standard is, what I call the transition standard. So, and I got those first three down. Like that was like, that was easy. It's like, okay, we're doing this, this, this. The fourth one though is like, okay, now I got to think a little bit. <laughs> and that's where I ended up is that that's the transition standard as I call it. Uh, because it's your ability to demonstrate proficiency with transitioning from one target to another target. And actually you transition, you, you go from, you shoot three different targets in the course of that uh, transition standard. Um, I think that that is absolutely essential because even if you're like, well, I'm not a competition guy and I'm not running around shooting targets, you know, every which way, uh, if you are a defensive oriented person, I don't really know of many gunfights I've seen on video on you know, uh, body cam or dash cam or surveillance video involving civilians where your target holds perfectly still. Right. Mm -hmm. 100%. And when you shoot them here and the next time that you're able to shoot them is here, 
that's a transition. Right. It doesn't, you didn't realize we think that. transition is from one target, meaning one person to another person or one silhouette to another silhouette, but it could be a moving silhouette, right? When you're looking at even in competition, two silhouettes, nothing saying it couldn't be the person moving from one place to another. So that that's actually, I've never heard someone say that, but you're right. That is still a transition because you're moving from one placement to another. It's a very interesting yeah. concept. So that's the fourth standard. And the fifth one is throttle control because then I feel like the next thing that we must test is your ability to shoot a target, whether it's close or far or big or small. Mm -hmm. uh, because what I observe in a lot of shooters that are, that are still developing but are still a little bit raw is there's a tendency, depending on how they're wired. Some people are more wired towards speed. Some people are a little bit more wired to be careful and accurate. And so, depending on which kind of end of the spectrum you might be, they either tend to shoot everything, like if, if they, they may shoot the close target at the appropriate speed, but then everything else, they shoot way too fast because it's further away or smaller. Or if you're a careful or accuracy-minded person, you'll shoot everything too slow. And so, we, we but to be a well-rounded, skilled shooter, you, you have to have the ability of making that judgment of, well, this one's close slash big, and that one's far slash small, and that's that requires me to, as far as the target and my sights and the alignment therein, it requires something different. I have to see something different for a close big target or a far small target. Okay. So um, a friend of ours, uh, we train with him and uh, the company he works for, OFT, Onsay Firearms Training. And I'm gonna kind of give him a little bit of shout out here, even though he you know, never asked me to do this, but uh, his name is Sean Martin and goes by the nickname Pinkshire Tactical. He's been on the show a bunch of times and we've trained with him a bunch of times. And God damn it, if he, he's one of the fastest shots uh, from a holster that I've personally seen. And I dare say like, I mean, I'd put him up against a lot of people. He's really, really fast. He's very, very accurate. Um, and I had the opportunity the other day to go out to dinner with him. <clears throat> we were talking about this kind of stuff. and. Um, I said, you know, and, and he's almost fanatical about, um, carrying a gun. Um, and I could go into stories and stuff and whatnot. It's not necessary here, but, uh, you know, I said to him, you're so fast. And I said, I know you dry fire a lot. I know you practice a lot. And I said, when you got into this, did this just like consume your life? And he was like, yeah, he's like to get to where I'm at. He said it, I, I'm consumed by it. You know, it, it's, it's consumed my life. And realistically speaking, I think there's a lot of good people, a lot of good gun owners out there that they, for whatever reason, they have families, they have kids, they have other responsibilities. Like they don't have the ability to let this consume them that way. Um, so my question is based on that concept, how would you recommend people sort of accelerate this uh their iq and and meeting these standards like what's the best way to you know do it you know most bang for your buck to reach maybe you'll never be that fast maybe you'll never be a grandmaster but to accelerate as much as possible yeah well here's what i would tell you is um i had i mean because i had to make a decision on this i established a score of 100 on my standards is where I consider that, like, hey, you're a good shooter, okay? You are a skilled shooter. And that's the point where if a person chose to go and focus on other important things in their life, 
I mean, certainly we want to maintain that skill we've already achieved, but I'm saying like, particularly if they're looking at it from like a defensive standpoint, right? You know, like, Hey, maybe go work on your hand to hand, maybe do some BJJ, whatever, or, or <laughs> get some other skills. Um, if you can score a hundred on my standards, I, like think of that as my permission to you to be like, you're a solid shooter. And I mean, I would take you into battle with me. Okay. Right. So you want to go focus on other things like do that because to push beyond that hundred. Yeah. That is where you're going to start to get into different, you know, varying degrees of obsession. Uh, Cause it is necessary to, uh, you know, to get that good. So, and can I just say, I'm looking at your grading, your classification right here. So mm -hmm. to put this in perspective, you go from, uh, it goes from the bottom up D C B a master grandmaster. And so to break into that, 100 for people listening at home, 96 to 107, so 100, that's only C. So D is the bottom, C class, yeah. then C. Then there's B, A, master, grant. So you're not asking for a lot to say, hey, like you're battle ready, go, you know, you could work on some other stuff. So this does not sound like, like 100, and I'm not saying that that's easy to get to because I've never shot the course, but it, you're not asking the world, you're saying, listen, like you can be pretty proficient and have a lot of room to grow, but not necessarily have to let it consume your life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wanted to, you know, I use that benchmark as, you know, to suggest that you are a well-rounded skilled shooter. That's it. You're not, you know, you're not a grandmaster. You're not a master. You're not, you know, this super awesome, whatever superhero level shooter, but you are solid uh, and, and you've demonstrated across those five core competencies that, you know, I, I outlined a moment ago, uh, to give you an idea the assuming the person scores all points, that score of a hundred basically represents, uh, it's, it's scoring perfect points. Just like say a grand you know, to score a grandmaster level, which is, uh, 144 points or higher to score GM level or higher, you pretty much got to shoot perfect points. And you got to do it in some spicy times, right? To score a hundred, if you can, if you can still hit all the same points, which is very doable. It's nothing that's crazy hard here, but you have double the amount of time to do it in as a grandmaster. Okay, so you could take all. Like to give you an idea, my draw standard is draw and fire two shots on a USPSA A zone at seven yards. Okay. A grand, you know, to to have a good shot at scoring 144 or higher as a grand, you know, to get a grandmaster score on that, you you want that two shots from the draw to be done in around 1.1 to 1.2 seconds tops. Fast. If you can do draw and fire two shots on a USPSA zone at seven yards in two seconds or even 2.2. You're you're on track for that hundred, okay, and that's very doable for a lot of shooters. That yeah. you don't have to let it consume your life. It doesn't have to take over and and force you to put a bunch of things to this push them to the side. Uh, a little bit of cons like I'm talking ten minutes a day of dry fire, and you could I mean if you did that consistently, ten minutes a day of dry fire in, mixed in here and there with an occasional trip to the range to to prove the things that you're practicing in dry fire and live fire. Uh, ten minutes a day of dry fire, and you can be you can score a hundred on my standards, easy. Any within, you know? Any caveats for optic, or can I use a red dot? Oh yeah, I mean I don't score it differently. You know, dot versus irons. And this is something that 
anybody can do at their range, you know, that, you know, they can set up the targets and where, where can I go to like get the setup so that I can try yeah. that? You know, originally I created the standards and created, the, you know, it, and I wanted everything to be scored on targets that anybody could set up. Mm-hmm. So the actually standard is shot on an NRAB8 target. Well, you don't know where to get NRAB8 targets. You can print them out. In fact, you can print them out <laughs> right from my website, concealedcarry.com forward slash free, or excuse me, concealedcarry.com forward slash print targets whole bunch of free targets you can print off and, and use to your heart's content. Uh, so you can print out a B8 target, shoot the accuracy standard. And then most of the rest of it is shot on a USPSA A zone. Again, I have one that you can print right on that same link I just provided. So you print out an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper because a USPSA A zone is 11 inches tall. It's ah. how tall an eight and a half by 11. Is. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so then like it, like it, 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 it outlines a box. Yes. Um, but, you know, depending on your printer limits and whatnot, it might not be perfect, but but you basically get the idea. Six inches wide, 11 inches tall, that's your A zone. So you shoot the draw and fire two on that. You shoot the, the recoil standard, which is a build drill on that. Uh, print two of those, set them upside, but, you know, I, I tell you how far apart to put them. Shoot the transition standard. And then the third one was where I got stumped a little bit because I wanted things to be, I could have come up with just printed targets, but uh, you you can print out the A zone, the full size, full scale A zone, but then the secondary targets. So you got an intermediate target and a small target. Those are actually a three by five card, so an index card, which yep. anybody can get a hold of those. Sure. And which, by the way, coincidentally, is not perfectly, but it's very close to a half scale A zone. And then um, a business card, a standard U.S you know, USA business card because European business cards are a little bit different. So in the US, our business cards are two and a half inches wide by three inches long. No, excuse me, two inches wide by three and a half inches long, uh, which is coincidentally almost exactly one third of an A zone. And so what that gives you, if you put all that at seven yards, is you have your full scale A zone, seven yards. People use A zones at seven yards all the time. You have the three by five card, which is like an A zone at 14 yards. And you have a business card, which is like an A zone at 21 yards. And that's what you shoot the throttle standard on. Gotcha. So that, so I wanted readily available targets anybody could use and it wouldn't cost them anything. Yeah. Uh, other than printing some paper uh, or buying a pack of index cards. And then you can rob the little jar at the, your local, you know, Chinese restaurant for the business cards. <laughs> and, and then I came up also with a target. That came later, which is the we call it the CCI PIQ target. CCI stands for our company name, Concealed yeah. Carry Inc. That target's really cool. I, I was I was just trying to look it up. I couldn't quite find it. If you could tell people where to find it, because it is a very cool target. So where can people yeah. actually get that? If so, go to my personal training website. So the learntrainshoot.com, right at the very top. I just leave it there permanently. There's a little bar at the top and it says looking for my target. Yep, there click it is. here. I just found it. Yep. Yeah, and it's really right cool. To them. It's got so many. It's it's got so many cool targets on it to do so many different drills. Like it's it's awesome, man. It's really really yeah. cool. And that one I really wanted for folks that use indoor ranges, you know, for their for their training, because then they could have a single sheet that they could hang on the typical indoor range hanger and then shoot the standards on that. Right. 
Yeah. No, it's that I saw that when I was uh, looking up stuff the other day and it's it's a cool target. Like it really is like a one one stop shop. You can do a lot of different things with it. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's cool that you were able to create that. So awesome. Um, so, Keith, you got anything else for me? No, no, that was good. Cool. Very cool. I, I think we should uh, go out and try this. Yeah, definitely. Ourselves. Definitely. Well, Riley, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and talking to us about your philosophies and your thoughts on training and competing. Uh, your insight and scientific approach to training is very, very cool. And I always appreciate it when people such as yourself pair the mental aspect of shooting with the physical. I, I just think that's a very, very cool. So thank you so much. And to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and Spotify so we can keep the conversation going. Riley, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me.